0: What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Wednesday evening after the Clippers split their back-to-back against Houston and Dallas, beating Houston and then losing to Dallas in what was a wild game, a terrible first half for the Clippers, but a much better first, second half rather, and just could not get it together in the end. Brandon Marcus here, Matt Mattawarren, back with you. On this Sports Ethos Clippers podcast, hope you're having a fantastic evening, Matt. It's been a while, my friend. How are you? Sports
1: Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? It's it's just so nice to be back on here with you. I'm doing great. Last night's loss was a bit of a uh, bit of a letdown, but what a roller coaster game. I'm doing well, man. And yourself?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, are we saying that you now you're officially a married man? You've got the license. You haven't actually had the wedding yet, but you've got yourself a marriage license. So I would say that we're getting close to you being officially a married man, huh?
1: Well, I I described it like this, and my uh, soon-to-be wife may or may not have appreciated it. I said, we haven't tied the knot, but now we have the rope. (laughs) So you can make of that what you will.
0: (laughs) That's actually a pretty good analogy. I like that one a lot. You've got it. You've got the prep. You're, You're right there. All you have to do is take your two hands and cross it around, and you're good to go. Right, and what we do with that rope,
1: you know, we we'll, we shall see. But we got the marriage license yesterday. Thank you. And uh, it was in it was in one of the most unromantic uh, places of all time. It looked it looked like um, it looked like the office from the uh, television show Loki. Mm. It was very bureaucratic. We walked in, we raised our right hands, and we said that we guess yes we do live where we live. And they gave us the license, and we'll... But I'll, I'll be sure to give everyone an update.
0: Yeah, we did once, it. Once, a, we well, did once the data set. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I did mine in the courthouse. I'm sure... I'm guessing yours is something similar. And it's just... Absol- absolutely. You're out a window, and it's... You're just sitting there, and... I mean, you're standing there and talking to the person, and it's really anticlimactic. So, But congratulations to you on the beginning of what is going to be a very fun... Couple of years ahead for you. Um, how much of the game did you get a chance to watch yesterday? Because it was a wild one.
1: I jumped in um, about two minutes into the second half and was able to watch it live. I then, I then uh, retraced my steps and watched what was kind of a debacle of a of a first half. Yeah. Uh, to put it to put it lightly. So I, I've seen the whole thing. I started watching it live. Um, I think around your tweet, um, which, which said the comeback, uh, when, when the comeback was on yeah. and even though it was still technically out to dinner, I, I, I couldn't, I had to pull out the phone and kind of do the, uh, one eye looking this way, one eye looking that way situation.
0: Yeah. The first half was a great way, by the way, to start your official married life is pulling out the phone and, uh. Start not paying attention to your yeah. uh, almost wife as you uh, pay attention to the Clippers instead. Uh, I, I don't blame you, though. So the Clippers were down 22 at the half, and it was not looking good. But we have seen this team before make great comebacks in the second half. Most famously, of course, at Atlanta, and they've done it plenty of times against Utah in the playoffs. Outscored Dallas 33-15 to 15 in the third quarter, um, and then outscored Dallas by just two in the fourth. And it to be just a couple more. It was a strange game. Um, There's a lot to chat about. And I also want to talk about something else. I want to go uh, back on the time machine as well at the end of the podcast. Because I think it's a good talking point with what's going on right now um, with another team in the NBA and what's going on with the Clippers. So right now the Clippers are 8-7. and seven, And you and I, we said at worst after 12 games we wanted to see 8-4. and four. The Clippers were 7-5 and five at that point. So not too far off. And if you had told us that no Kawhi, I think we would take seven and five. Now you're at eight and seven, a a little concerned with where this team is right now. Um, The loss to Dallas on a back-to-back, obviously, is something where you, it's kind of a schedule loss, but I, I don't understand how this team can continue to fall behind by as much as they do and then make a comeback. It makes you wonder where was this team initially. You know what I mean, Matt? It's just very frustrating that just keeps happening where they dig themselves in the hole and they have to try and claw themselves out and sometimes they're able to get over the hump and sometimes they're not.
1: Yeah, there's like there's like a listlessness uh, when when we come out of the gate to where okay, let's let's see where this game goes, what the storyline brings. And then we'll play accordingly. If 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 we're ahead, then we'll try to continue to be ahead. If we're behind, then we can motivate ourselves to come back. And that's that's no way that you want to play. And you're right, you know, the comeback Clippers have been a thing. Whether it be be it against Utah, uh, way back like back in the day against Golden State, and the I mean just whatever whatever the case may be, you don't you don't want to be the comeback Clippers. You want to come out within from minute one to minute 48. You you want to come out with the same intensity and like I said I, I started watching during the second half but going back and looking at some of the highlights and rewatching the first half it didn't look like we came out with that vigor like with the with with the intensity the focus I mean the focus wasn't there for a lot of the game which is a, a different story unto itself but it's it is concerning that we just would let ourselves get in get into these holes and have to dig our way our way out so to speak.
0: Yeah, and in the third quarter, um, I would say that John Wall was a big reason why the Clippers came back. He had great— Spark plug. Yeah, major, and that's why you get a guy like John Wall. To give you that type of energy, there was one point where he airballed a three and then came back the next possession and drilled it, nothing but net. And he's going to have to make those shots, Matt, if the Clippers are going to play him big minutes— and he's going to be important to what the Clippers do, he's going to be able to hit those knockdown threes. If he doesn't hit them, he's useless um, to the Clippers once they get Kawhi back. I mean, he's obviously got some use with his energy and his ability to get to the paint and kick, and that's something that's really important for the Clippers. But if he can only do that and he can't shoot, then you're playing five on four on offense, and that's not great. So his ability to be really good offensively yesterday. I mean, he had one where he attacked the hoop, and he made a really acrobatic shot um, that was as tough of a layup as you could see, and he got an and one out of it. He was 6 of 11 from the fields, and he's not the best free-throw shooter, but you see what he can do, 17 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal, and that's exactly what you want from a guy like John Wall, and he ended up playing the entire third quarter, Finally got a breather. Later on, he got played 26 minutes, so he was really important to what they did. Of course, Nico Batum, you have to mention what he did is an out of body experience when he goes seven of seven from three. He was incredible, and so those two guys combined for 39 points off the bench. It's just, I think the one thing that's kind of a positive from what we saw yesterday, Matt, is that Nico still has it, and John Wall is something someone's going to be really important to what the Clippers can do, and he clearly still has. That burst, um, albeit not the extreme burst that he had with Washington, that extreme scorer, but he's got enough to be important for the Clippers. You know what I mean?
1: I definitely know. What you mean
0: I, so? A couple of thoughts.
1: A couple of thoughts there, and and, and you're correct in everything you're saying. He's going to have to knock down shots. He's going to have to be honored by defenses. It, it can't just. It can't just be drive into the lane and kick. It can't just like. They're going to have to take, take him seriously uh, on the perimeter, behind the three-point line. I do remember there was one play, I think it was about when I started watching, and him and Reggie were on the court. At the same time, I think Reggie got the rebound, kicked it to, to John, John Wall, and he he drove it down court. So that sort of interplay between them and the pace and the burst that you're talking about with Wall, to be able to get out and run is something that's going to be very important. But another funny thing, of course, and of course Batum was out of his mind, and you said, uh he, he he and john wall uh what did you say 39 points they yeah they combined for okay conversely zoo and reggie jackson combined for nine points yeah so that wasn't that wasn't the great that wasn't the greatest showing there either and I'm, I'm i'm wondering i'm wondering you know zoo zoo did have two blocks he had seven boards here and 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 some, and some assists as well but he he only took two shots he got to the line a few times but and he played 33 minutes uh, which is you know a, a, a decent allotment of minutes but i'm i'm wondering if if we saw a little bit of not that he was played off the floor, but was he was he out of his game or were, what what was going on?
0: I mean, we've seen that he has problems with Luca. I mean that that's clearly been something that oh, we, we can yeah
1: well they'll switch Luke on to him until the cows come on I mean, It's their yeah. favorite thing to do. Like
0: yeah, it gives me nightmares. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And so th- that's just not a matchup that's great for him. And normally you could look at those five fouls and say, listen, he was in foul trouble, so that's the reason why it's such a poor game. But that's not really the case because he played 33 minutes, like you said. So he's on the floor a lot. He was not doing much at all offensively. They didn't do anything to get him easy looks considering he only had two shots. And, I mean, he got seven rebounds and a couple of blocks. And, I mean, part of the reason why they came back in that third quarter was because Zoo was great defensively. But he just did not do anything offensively. And they need a little bit from him in the paint Offensively, when they need when they win games, they can't have Zoo go zero for two and expect to win a game. Sure, they only lost by two in this game, but that's just that doesn't mean that I just don't think their offense is running properly. If Zoo's only getting two shots, whether it be an offensive rebound, whether it be um, a quick feed from a guy like Paul George or John Wall or Reggie Jackson, when the ball is moving well, they'll find Zoo for a couple of looks inside the paint, and that just wasn't the case yesterday. And it's one game, of course. It's one game He struggled against um, Dallas in the past, and zoo has been outstanding this season and has had those ups and downs, which you really would expect. I mean, he's not Carl Anthony Towns. He's going to have himself games where he struggles offensively. It's just, is he making an impact defensively? And he did a decent job defensively when they came back. It's just one of those things that Luka is so damn good at what he does, and Zoo can't be a force defensively when the other team hits 17 threes i mean you look at dorian finney smith seven of 13 and reggie bullock four of eight those two guys did diddly squat in the game today um, of course against houston and of course Luca decided to take a rest today after he beat the crap out of the clippers but it's just one of those things that happens against the clippers sometimes where guys get really hot and you can't account for dorian finney smith going seven of 13 from three or reggie bullock Going four of eight, granted, some of those Bullock looks were wide open, but that's 50% or better for both those guys, which is not going to happen often, and so I've now rattled off those two guys and their three-point numbers. What Zoo has done, You still only lost by two, and oh yeah, Matt, Paul George had 10 turnovers. 10. That is horrendous, and this is kind of what I want to bring up with PG. Six of the 10 turnovers. Led to 15 Mavericks points, according to Law Murray of the Athletic. That is horrendous. That six turnovers led to 15 points. So that's where the game was lost, Matt. Just not good at all. I mean, those the turno- ten
1: turnovers. That's uh, it's the dubious double double, right? You have 23 yeah. points and 10 turnovers. <laughs> you never want that. He almost had a triple double if he had three more rebounds and the very dubious one I agree with you 100% this it's it's carelessness it's it's discombobulation um and le- I didn't know that six of them led the f- I mean that's crazy leading to 15 points that is I mean, that's a that's a great stat but it's not a great stat that you want for a team that you root for because that is horrendous that is not going to win many ball games yes you're right we lost by two we're probably lucky to lose by two. Then, if if that's the case, because that is horrendous. That needs to be cleaned up immediately. I, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily know the solution. I mean, you're right. Uh, Finney Smith and Bullock would have been lucky to do diddly squat tonight. They did nothing. Um, and and Timmy Hardaway was O of seven from Tim Hardaway Junior was 0 of 7 from the field too. So it's not as if people on their end were mi- weren't missing as well. Uh, but wow, yeah, the tur- those, those turnovers were were an issue, have been an issue, and maybe will we'll continue to be an issue um, unless, unless something gets cleaned up.
0: But that is, that is a pretty damning uh, stat right there from Law. So you said that they have been an issue, and that's a really important thing because we've heard time and time again, the Clippers don't need a point guard, the Clippers don't need a point guard because the ball is going to be in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's hands. I'm not sure, Um, I, I don't know how to say this because I don't want to say I'm not sure that I don't want Paul George initiating the offense because I think he needs to initiate the offense in order for the Clippers to be as good as they are and for him to get the looks that he gets and take out the number of shots we want him to take. But it's getting to the point, Matt, where he commits so many bad turnovers. I mean, Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film Always is posting these clips of all the bad turnovers that Paul George commits. And if he's gonna have the ball in his hands this much, you got to figure this out because you're going nowhere fast if you continue to commit as many turnovers as he's committing. And you look at what he's done recently, and he, sure, he's had a couple of games where he's been able to limit them, but you see a lot of games where he's committing the ter- uh five plus turnovers. I mean, you look. He had five against Utah five against San Antonio five against Houston in three straight games from November 2nd and November 6th. And then he had 10 in that game yesterday. You cannot be turning over the basketball five plus times a game. And he's done that four times already this month. And it, it's just, it's just inexcusable. You cannot have that happen. No matter how good you are, you cannot, and how often you have the ball in your hands, you can't turn over the basketball five plus times.
1: You can't do it. And, and and it's going to become, it's going to become a point of emphasis for the other team, right? That's going to be in the scouting report. This guy turns it over when when he initiates the offense. They're going to look at every, like the, like those like those clips that are posted of the silly turnovers. Don't think other teams aren't watching those. And this is how we pressure Paul George. This is the angle we need to come at. When he gets the ball, this position, we throw two people at him. It it's 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 going to start to people are going to start attacking that and and planning like if he turns it over, you run. You know, we'll get the fast break. You run this way; those points will turn into. I mean, excuse me. Those turnovers could turn into more points because it's going to become a point of emphasis if it continues to to be an issue.
0: Yeah, and by the way, Paul George is on the injury report for tomorrow, so we'll see. Hand, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a hand contusion. We'll see if he does end up playing, um, but that would be a big blow if they lose him. And he didn't sit in that second half yesterday, so some of that. May have been fatigue that he turned it over. But I was watching the game, man, and some of those were just he allowed the double team to come to him. He knew it was coming, and he got stuck, and he made bad passes. And I think there was a combination of him just playing sloppy basketball and not getting rid of it early enough because when the Clippers would run at Luka with two, he got rid of it quickly. And Paul George has got to get rid of it quickly instead of continuing to try and split the double team or think he can dribble around them because you can't do that and then also Ty Lue has got to figure out a way to bring somebody up to help him. And the two of that, those two things, the combination of PG being sloppy with his dribbling and trying to do more than he could and Ty Lue not giving him those other options, I think was a disaster. And it's part of the reason why they lost that game was the turnovers that PG committed as, and he can't shoot as poorly as he did in the last couple of games and turn over the basketball as much as he is. It, you just can't do that if you're expecting to win ball games. Yeah, some somebody's got to come up to help. You're right
1: because he, he's on an island there, and there's just two people coming. And yeah, he's looking around, and it just
0: it turns into a swipe or a, usually a bad pass, actually. Yeah, um, just- and honestly, one of the things that probably does usually help him in those spots is a guy like luke Kennard, who he can get rid of the ball too quickly and luke can either create his own shot from distance or he's been able to recently dribble and get into the painted area but luke with a calf injury i believe it was it's not good and he's gonna doubtful for tomorrow be surprised if he plays in the next week or two and that's difficult if you don't have luke Kennard. and i mean obviously if you don't have pg there's not many places this offense is going to come from outside of marcus morris because um, Norman Powell has still not been good enough. It's not good. And we talked about the Clippers before the season and how deep they are. But without Paul George and without Kawhi, um, and even just without one of them, without Kawhi, this is just a good team. Nothing more. It's nothing more if you don't have Kawhi Leonard. You need Kawhi to make this work. I mean, PG, Kennard, Reggie Jackson, Zoo, and Marcus Morris, I mean, that, that's not a Western Conference Finals team. I mean it was when they uh were able to go and play against the Suns and make the Western Conference finals but teams are better now and I just don't think this team is good enough without Kawhi Leonard. They need Kawhi back and they need PG to get better. They do and you know fortunately
1: we're not we're not past the point of no return. It's still an 8 and 7 record. Uh you know we're we'd be a playing team unfortunately right now. Yeah. But I think there, there are only two teams in the Western Conference right now with double-digit wins. That's the Portland Trail Blazers and the Utah Jazz. They're the only two teams. So we're not beyond, we're not beyond like, uh, fixing this and turning it around, but there are some things that w- with 15 games in the bag, you know, you don't want it to become systemic, these turnovers. The, and, and a lot of that, of course, you're right, has to do with Kawhi coming back Covington just got back. Canard's unfortunately going to be out. You're right. He was banged up with the chest thing. Now it's a calf. So the chemistry is still is still moving. It's still fluid. But I do think I do think there is time. Thankfully. Yeah. But um, but we know how fast time goes. It's going to be Thanksgiving next week. For goodness sakes. Uh, so and then it's going to be then it's going to be New Year's. Like it, time goes very quickly. So it you, you can't really count
0: on that. And Thanksgiving is the point where we were hoping to get Kawhi Leonard back in the lineup and he's traveling with the team and supposedly he's getting closer, but this is another one of, the, one of those things with the Clippers where they're just so damn vague. And I wonder if they have an idea of when Kawhi is coming back or if it is truly day to day. That's one thing that has been really frustrating with the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard on the team is that we just don't have any idea of his injury status and when he's going to come back. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him and when he's able to rejoin this team because I really think they need him at some point in the next month or so um, at the very latest around Christmas. They need to get him back and incorporate him and figure out what this team is going to be because you have PG and Marcus Morris who have really been instant offense. And apart from that, no one has been reliable night to night for the Clippers offensively. Sure, Zoo has been great. But offensively, I mean, Luke's been solid, but it's really been Marcus and PG that have carried the load offensively. And and there needs to be more than that. There needs to be a guy like Kawhi to help out. And it's interesting because you look at the game yesterday, Matt, and the Clippers were up or down by one. And they played great defense in the final minute. And Luka hits this insane shot on the near sideline. And I mean, if he doesn't hit that, the Clippers have a chance to get the rebound and go ahead. So as much as we're talking about how disappointing the game was yesterday, if he misses that, the Clippers have a chance to go ahead. You look at the start of the fourth quarter when there were fouls called left and right with how tight the game was called after Luka committed that technical foul. All of a sudden, the referee said, "Okay, we're going to make this game much tighter and it basically benefited Dallas because there were a lot of fouls called on the Clippers and Dallas really wasn't able to take advantage of it, but it certainly slowed the game down. It didn't allow the Clippers to play their defense that they have been. Of course, we talked about the amazing third quarter, but the start of the fourth really hurt them with the fouls. And then Luca hits that crazy shot. And then the Clippers are down by two at the end and Robert Covington drops the ball on a perfectly oh, executed God. miss by Batum, if Rocco grabs that, lays it back up and in, we're tied. So despite all of the negative stuff we've talked about, man, one shot here or there, and one drop ball by Rocco, and the Clippers have a chance to win that game yesterday. Oh, yeah, it's it's sliding doors all
1: over the place. That Rocco thing, I mean, I I... I I couldn't believe he dropped it out of bounds, but you're right. They were, I mean, man, were they calling that game tight? Uh, coffee got called for like two quick fouls. I was like, I don't know. I mean, we were in the, we were in the penalty, the Clippers, for like what, 10, the 10 minute mark, (laughs) maybe the nine minute mark, Yeah, you know, uh, in that, in that fourth quarter, it it, it was nuts. And, and I'm going to say this, thankfully Luca got that tech because he's one of the greatest players out there. He's, he's, phenomenal i can't believe his size and his skill, but my goodness
0: does that guy complain
1: quite a bit Yeah. and even even when stuff is going right
0: it's awful it's really bad it's (laughs) not fun to watch and he does it all the time it was driving me nuts man (laughs) it's it's chris paul lebron james like it's just i'm so sick of guys that just every time down they think they're fouled and for luca I mean, he thinks he can do no wrong, and it's really frustrating. And he even said on JJ Reddick's podcast, he needs to be better about not going after the refs, and that never happened. I mean, he just still does it. It's not fun to watch when he just continues to complain, but what can you do? Um, I've mentioned it a couple times, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on Marcus Morris because it really seems like this team would be in deep, deep trouble without him this year. He has been one of the most reliable guys to get a shot when the Clippers' offense is stagnant. He's been able to get buckets. And I've said this all along, that he did it in New York, and he's certainly able to do it on a team like the Clippers when Kawhi Leonard's not playing. And he's playing certain nights over 30 minutes and getting the Clippers double figures in points. I really like what Marcus Morris brings to this team. I know he's one of the main trade ships that people have brought up. But I think they need Marcus Morris on a team that has PG and Kawhi and how vulnerable they've been to injuries. I really think that Marcus Morris is one of the most important parts of this team, Matt. I love
1: what Senior what Marcus Morris Sr. has done this season. He's been incredible. You're right. When you need a bucket, he, if it's not going to be Paul George, he's he's the next guy you look to. I mean, of course, it's down low usually if you want to get something easy, but... I mean, he's just been hitting shot after shot after shot, not afraid to take it, not not afraid to take it from the perimeter, but also he can he can mix it up a little bit down low, as we all know, hard nosed as he is. And I, it's great, and he's we would we would have a very different record. I I do agree with you. If it wasn't for Marcus Morris Senior, my question would be, and I know I, from, from from what I can see, he's a great. Great teammate he's buying into the system. But like you said, he's the guy we can count on when, when Kawhi is out. But what happens when Kawhi comes back? Mm-hmm. Then the rotation I would like to see where where he is uh, from a minute standpoint, from a from a usage standpoint, shots taken, um, all that stuff. Just if 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 he's still as engaged, uh as effective, uh, in, in you know, in in whatever role it may be, and it, it may be the same role, maybe but I, I'm not quite sure. So
0: yeah, I mean, for you're, now, you're yes. You're already seeing Robert Covington get demoted to the bench, Matt. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you and I have talked about this. And I've said, I don't love the small ball lineup without Robert Covington. I think he's very important mm-hmm. to what they do with his ability to play defense and guard multiple positions and shoot the three ball. I think they need him in that small ball lineup. And Ty Lue just has not gone to him very much at all recently. So like you said, if you're trying to find minutes for Marcus Morris – I mean, does Robert Covington fall down even more on the chart? And does he not get any minutes at all? That's concerning to me, Matt, is that we know we don't know what we're gonna see with Robert Covington. I think Covington needs to play more.
1: Covington definitely needs to play more. Uh just just like you said, his his defensive versatility. Not not that Senior is like the worst defend in defender in the world, but Covington is an excellent defender who can switch. Uh who He's just very, very important to that small ball lineup, and so then I wonder. That goes back to what I was saying. I wonder when Kawhi does come back, um, how the minutes are dispersed. I would hate to see. Yeah, I would hate to see Covington's role continue to be a five to eleven minute role, as it is currently. That would that would be a little concerning to me, but we'll see.
0: Okay, so you texted me the other day, so I think we'll bring this up, and then I have one more thing I want to bring up, and then we'll uh, close out the podcast. Oh, I, I actually have one thing to bring up to you, if you don't mind, before we go. But we'll, we'll save it. Okay, sounds good. Um, you texted me about Miles Turner, and I actually had not seen the rumor until you texted me, and then it became the hot topic on Clippers Twitter, was Miles Turner and what the Clippers trade for him. And I told you right away, I don't think it makes sense, because you already are having a hard enough time getting Zoom minutes in the postseason and even during the regular season at times. And I just think Miles Turner would be another roadblock to bring to the fold. And I like Miles Turner a lot as a player. He's very good. I mean, you look at what he does defensively, and he's a block machine. He can spread the floor, he can shoot the three ball. There could be a world where Miles Turner's more of that spread the floor type guy because he and DeMontis Savonis played together last year. And so Zoo could be that guy in the middle. Miles Turner could spread the floor. So there's certainly a world where that can exist. And it gives you that backup center that you really need. I just don't know if it makes sense for this iteration of the Clippers unless you get rid of a couple of guys that are currently hogging up minutes. What do you think would make sense for the Clippers to get rid of to get a guy like Miles Turner where he actually can make an impact with this team?
1: So I'm glad you brought this up, and I'm glad you revealed to the audience that we, we texted with each other. Yes, we are friends. That's, <laughs> but here, <laughs> um, so I'm not cool enough or hip enough to use the uh, the word Stan. I'm more of a diddly squat guy, but I will use it in this instance. I have to admit, I am a Miles Turner, a Yoga Miles, as we call him. I'm a Yoga Miles Stan. I love this guy. I love his game. Uh, the, I mean, I'm a I'm a fiend for blocks when it, in a fantasy perspective i remember when he and uh don mitchell uh were guest commentators i think it was on the rising stars game and this was probably three three four years ago or something they were excellent on the mic the Guys got a fantastic career ahead of him no matter what what he wants to do i love miles t in order to come over to the clippers and i got a little overzealous i will admit because of my fandom when i texted you and i sent that that article and i was like oh my god this is my dream can we do it and you brought me back down to earth as you are wont to do which i appreciate it would be a little weird what we would have to trade to get him would be some manner of powell or canard or the aforementioned senior who we just talked about how much we love what he's doing so if if the pacers are really looking to to tank, which they haven't really done to this point, but I'm sure they'll get there. You know, and I, I don't have the salaries in front of me, but I think, and it would all it would all have to do with expirings, But I think maybe a Norman Powell would have to be in there. We'd we'd have to part with with something like that, and uh-huh. uh, and 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 others to make to make the salaries match. But I'm not I'm not as much concerned about that as I am with what you said about how is it going to work minutes wise with zoo who was playing so well who was so important there would be there would have to be a long conversation between ty and zoo and look look because there's no way you're getting miles turner in and putting him into a a strictly backup role i don't think it would have to be a minute split at the very least and probably more leaning towards turner just from what we what we hear him saying what he wants to be in the league which which is all deserved because he he's a great player So all that to say, I was all for it until I started thinking about it, and now I can't really see how it would work.
0: (laughs) uh, I like him a lot. I really do. Um, But I don't know. Does it make sense with this team? Because I feel like if you bring him in, that means I think Marcus Morris goes the other way. Because if you really do bring him in, you have to be thinking that you can play him together with zoo right i mean i mean and
1: there goes your then there goes your small ball lineup right there i mean that's you know now now we're almost in a twin i know we can stretch the floor but we're almost in a twin towers situation i mean it is, it is a big shuffle to the i guess identity or what what tyloo is sort of trying to do here
0: yeah i just i just don't think it makes sense and you mentioned that they would throw more Pal in there and I know he hasn't been good, man, but he was really good last year, Matt, and I think that Norm Powell is going to be critical to the success of the Clippers, and you get rid of Norm Powell, then what's your offense when Kawhi and PG or Kawhi or PG aren't there? Um, It's Marcus Morris, and... I mean, what if he's in the deal? Then you really don't have anything. It just doesn't feel like it makes sense to make that deal. I know you need a backup center, but Zoo's the guy. And so if you really think that you're going to go and you're going to play the two of them together, you're completely changing the way this team plays, where now you have Turner, Zoo, Kawhi, and PG on the floor together with Wall or Reggie Jackson. That means that Morris, Batum, um, I mean, Norm Powell; those guys all not starting, and so it's even Canard. It's even tougher to get those guys minutes. I just don't think it's feasible for a team that is going to be in the playoffs. It just seems like their playoff rotation would just be so weird. It's I like Miles Turner a lot, but I just don't think it makes sense.
1: Yeah, you're you're right, and not to poo-poo on my guy Miles T, who I love, but he's not he he. He can stretch the floor, but he's not a cat, right. much like you said before. He's not the greatest shooter in the world. So if you do play him with Zoo, there are some spacing issues. Like And, and just shooting is not going to be the greatest, which is not exactly what you're looking for, especially come playoff time. Gosh, as much as I want it to happen, it's uh... – oh, and I – Any validity to what I texted you about maybe the Clippers are just driving up the price a little bit? That's possible competition here.
0: Yeah, that's possible. It's certainly possible where it's been leaked by the Pacers or something to try and get the Lakers to throw in that second first round pick. It's certainly possible. Um, But I, I just feel like if the Clippers are involved in a trade like that, we wouldn't hear about it because every single time the Clippers are involved in any sort of trade talks, do we... Ever hear that it's possible? Uh, I like naming the last couple years a trade the Clippers have made that we have known is going to happen. I mean, you look all the way back to PG Kawhi and that when that happened, and then you look back at uh, most recently you look at Covington and Powell and that deal. We just didn't know it was going to happen. It just feels like this Clippers team when they make a trade, you're not going to hear about it.
1: Oh, wait, what, what do you mean? When have the Clippers ever been known to withhold information yeah. uh, from us at all? I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, here, so,
0: so this actually leads into my final thing that I want to discuss when I brought up... Wait, a, is, it a, is it a positive or a negative? It is a would you go back in time. Um, oh my god. If it's, it, if it's
1: shade, then we have the same
0: thing is, that we're going to talk about. It is.
1: That's what I was going to talk about with you. Oh uh,
0: yes. Okay, so... That's what I was going to... All right.
1: Bring up okay, so we have the exact same, we have the exact same. This is not planned, folks. we have the exact same topic here. Okay, well, I it. mean,
0: he's just been unbelievable, and I, I tweeted a while. Oh my ago, god, it's I tweeted a while ago. He's like fifty-one of fifty-two from the free throw line to start the season a couple weeks ago. I'm like, and he's just been unbelievable. And then I was going back and forth, um, with my friend Shap of the Law of the Jam Pod earlier today. And he was tweeting about SGA. And I'm like, have you seen what he's done defensively in terms of the steals and blocks? And it's combined basically four steals and blocks per game. And he's averaging over 30 points per game. And so, of course, we were talking about Shea earlier. And then all Shea does earlier today, a little bit later after our conversation, is he goes and hits the game winning three um, in another incredible effort where he just dominated the third quarter and he took over and he beat Washington. And so we look at SGA. And he had 42 points today, by the way, six rebounds, seven assists, and just one block. So for in terms of the defensive stuff, it didn't come back bu- come as much today. So he's now averaging over 30 points per game, about six assists per game, four and a half rebounds per game, block and a half and two steals per game, and oh all he's doing is shooting oh uh, over 50% and shooting almost 95% from the free throw line. Um, I don't know if those numbers are updated after today's performance because he wasn't as great from the free throw line. So in other words, he's been unfreaking believable. So knowing what you know now get with, um, SGA and Kawhi's inability to stay on the floor, would you do the deal? Oh my God, that's such a heavy question. I,
1: I just want to add one stat to uh Shay's amazing line that you said over over 31 points all that stuff on and only just a just a hair over one three-pointer a game. So he's get he's he's like, he's just getting into the paint and hitting free throws. I mean, he's so efficient. It's insane. Now, would I what I do the trade again? I have to be honest with you, the answer is yes. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, the answer is yes, I would do it again. Uh, yeah. As much as it pains me, because Shea is so good, and he's, he's, he's an all-star for sure. He's all NBA by all accounts so far. But getting Paul George and Kawhi, and the window is not yet closed, let's not forget. It, it's not as if we're looking at this as a completely failed experiment.
0: Right, you just need one title. One title is all you need for it to be to for it to work. You just look at the Lakers and AD. I mean, it's been a disaster, but they got that one title with Anthony Davis.
1: Exactly, they did, and and that can still happen for the Clips. So, as much as as much, and it's so funny. I was I had Shay's numbers pulled up, which is why I could pull that three pointer thing up because that's a that's the same thing I was going to ask you. Yeah, uh, not not about if we would do it. I just wanted to, I, I, I was going to become more negative and be like. Can you believe what he's doing? Let's cry about it together. Well I like I like your angle. I like your angle better. Yeah. But I I, would, I don't blame I would, you for the out.
0: Yeah, I don't I blame do at you for coming out like that. Look at Law so Law Murray of uh, the athletic. I talked about him earlier. So today he tweeted, after tonight's activities in DC, SGA is at a thirty two point three scoring average shooting 54.8% from the field, 40% from three, 90.6% from the free throw line. So his free throw percentage did drop um, today, but he's still shooting over 90%. The only player to finish with a 50-40-90 season, that's 50% field goal, 40% three, 90% free throw, with 30-plus points per game was Steph Curry, who averaged 30.1 points per game for a 73-win team in 2016. So SGA is clearly doing something that we have only seen once before. That's how good he has been. The Clippers trade away SGA, and they had to in that deal. I mean, you had to give SGA away to OKC because the picks weren't going to do it on their own. Gallo is just, I mean, it's Gallo. It's fine. He's a good player, but still, it's just Gallo. So the picks, who knows what the Clippers would do with those and what they would have turned into. They've drafted much better recently than they had in previous years, so it's very possible they would have hit with those picks. But they draft SGA, and then I mean, you have SGA on your team, you have those picks, would you rather have that, or would you rather have PG and Kawhi? Because Kawhi wasn't coming without PG, and I think you have to do the deal. Ten times out of ten, as good as SGA has been, I don't think anybody expected him to get to this level I mean, we saw him offensively. He was fine offensively. No one, I think, would have expected him to be shooting 50% per game and being this dominant um, inside the arc and just being the stone-cold killer that he is. And you knew what you were getting with the injury risk with both PG and Kawhi. But listen, man, the Clippers went to their first-ever Western Conference Finals because of this deal. I mean, without PG, that does not happen. Without Kawhi, that does not happen. And it happened. And if Kawhi happens to stay healthy that year, the Clippers may have gone to the NBA Finals. So I think you 100% do that deal ten times out of ten.
1: Yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, there aren't many in LA. There aren't many things short of an earthquake that get me to jump out of bed and run around my apartment like a like a chicken with their head cut off. The Kawhi Paul Paul George deal was one of those things that did it. You do it ten out of ten times. It's hindsight is always twenty twenty, but you know. Yeah, I, I agree. We have to do it again. And at least at least in that draft we got Jerome Robinson shortly afterwards. So
0: Oh God, man. <laughs> just hearing Sorry. that name that that was so bad that that was, such, that was so bad <laughs> so 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 bad um he has just done absolutely nothing it it just makes it makes my heart just hurt when oh, that guy gets brought up
1: so that was tough and go ahead yeah, it's, no 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 i'm just uh, you know I, of course i'm not the biggest mpj The fan for several reasons, but he did go right afterwards. Yeah, And and that was, that was a back
0: risk and he's been fine this year. But I mean, that was the Clippers doctors were unsure he was going to be able to play at a certain level. Um, I mean, he revealed that on JJ Reddick's podcast that the Clippers doctor was the one that basically called him undraftable and he's got all the talent in the world, but we saw him get hurt last year. And so that's certainly an issue that very well could be something persistent that, could plague him, but still, yeah, he's a better talent, obviously, than Jerome Robinson, and we knew that, and yet they still took Jerome Robinson, but what can you do? They still ended up with SGA, and because of getting SGA, they got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and I mean, it's it's what you got to do now. You got to hope those guys can stay healthy. You got to hope that Paul George can limit these turnovers because he's going to get the ball in his hands a lot, and the same goes for Kawhi. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And when you have those high volume nights um, where you're shooting the basketball and you're not making as many shots as you'd like, if you're PG, who by the way he did shoot the basketball, I think pretty decently yesterday. Um, he started off slow. I think he only had four points or uh, at the half. Um, and may, I may be making that up, but it, that's, it was with the first quarter. Maybe he was oh for two, whatever it was. Um, he ended up finishing seven of thirteen last night, but it was seven of eighteen the night before, and five of twenty-one before that. So after his incredible week, where he was dominant in that four and one week for the Clippers, struggled against Brooklyn and struggled at Houston. The Clippers just need him to be shooting better and turning the ball over less in order to have success. So I think that that's my uh, my final take. What, what else you got to uh, dish out? Um,
1: I I just I I. I... I just have a a sneaking suspicion, and you know, maybe by Thanksgiving, Kawhi comes back. I tend to think maybe we're going to see a few minutes from him, a little bit sooner. Uh, We have a three-game homestand coming up, if I'm not mistaken, starting tomorrow, and uh, I think we may get twelve to fifteen minutes from him in one of these games.
0: Ooh, that's that's what I'm
1: crossing my that's what I'm crossing my fingers for, and I. I I just kind of, I kind of feel, I, I I just, I kind of feel it in the air here.
0: I think he's out tomorrow, so that would mean that he comes back either against San Antonio on Saturday or Utah on Monday. And when he does, I'm gonna call Utah. I'm gonna call Utah on Monday. Okay, call on your shot. And if he does come back, Mm -hmm. does he come back in that second quarter role that he did last time? That'll also be interesting to see what the Clippers do with him. If it's the same exact thing that they're planning on doing to start the season, where he comes in off the bench in the second quarter. Or do they manage him a little bit differently? That I think that'll be really interesting to watch. But like Matt said, there's a game tomorrow against Detroit. And then a game on Saturday against San Antonio. And then Monday against Utah. So we'll, we'll, we'll sneak in a pod at some point. Um, ideally, I think Sunday. Um, after that, Detroit and San Antonio uh, back-to-back. Or not back-to-back, but two games in a row. And we'll see maybe if Kawhi is on his way back. And hopefully... PG is healthy and he's able to play tomorrow. But I think that po- puts a bow on this one. Matt Warren on Twitter, at BDMarcus for myself. It is the Ethos Clippers podcast. If you can rate and review the pod, certainly helps. If you're able to retweet, like, share the podcast on Twitter, um, that also helps a lot as well. Any final words, Matt? Oh, and if everybody can... Um Thank you again, Brandon,
1: for letting me uh, jump on the pod a few times by myself. If, if anybody wants to go back and check out the Weird Al Index that we did, which is a uh, song parodies featuring uh, players in the NBA's names, go ahead and check that out. We did that in a few episodes uh, prior. So if you got got any, anything to add to the Weird Al Index... There i love to hear it. There
0: you go. So I leave Matt alone with the podcast, and he goes, uh, All Weird Al, which uh, I appreciate. Matt's just got this sense of humor, man, that is very different from what I bring to the pod. And so it works out perfectly. And despite us being two different people, we both wanted to talk about our love, SGA. My favorite number is two. SGA is number two. And unfortunately, the Clippers right now are looking like they're number two. I don't know what that means, but it means they're not number one right now in the West. So hopefully they're able to improve. We'll see what they do against Detroit should be a game that the Clippers should win. They're better than Detroit. They're better than San Antonio and they're better than Utah, even though Utah has been outstanding to start the season. So we'll see if the Clippers can go three, and zero um, on this homestand. Hopefully they do at minimum. You got to go two and one. We'll see what happens. Stay tuned to this podcast for more format for Brandon I will talk to you later and go Clips.